I'm talking today with Betty Lou Suter from Community Care St. Catharines Thorold. And uh, I just wanted to touch base with you, Betty Lou, to see if you're noticing a difference in the number of people who are coming to uh, Community Care for Food. And are we seeing different clients that have not traditionally been coming to the food bank uh, who are experiencing uh, harder financial times right now because maybe uh, one spouse has lost a job, maybe they both have lost a job, and they're in a situation where they're just not able to feed their family properly and are having to reach out to food banks. It's a very different times that we're seeing right now. We have our tried and true clients that we've been supporting for many years, but we're seeing a bunch of new people who've never been here before who are new to the system and coming in, and of course, we don't have the ability to process them as we have in the past. So what we're doing is we're ensuring that people come and give us their ID, they tell us what their circumstances are, and we'll do a fulsome intake process uh, at a later date. Uh, right now, we're ensuring that everybody has the ability to have food in their tummy each and every night. So we're working extremely hard to make that happen. So I guess to answer your question more definitively, Yes, we are seeing an increase in the number of new people coming to the organization, people who are experiencing job loss, people who, and there's a lot of people out there, Janice, who are, have never felt the need to come out and interact with people around food security. And I think that's another interesting demographic, as you and I know, there's people are finding very anxious at this time, and there's a great deal of angst. They're not sure what's really going on, but they know that there's something happening and they're panicking. So they're coming down and they're getting food. Those people haven't needed food before, but they do now. So it's a very wide demographic. And the first couple of weeks, it was significantly higher. It has leveled off now. So I think there's people are getting a little bit more comfort level. And I'm happy to say that there's lots of other places that people are getting assistance as well. I know that myself, from my organization's perspective, we've been receiving a lot of perishable food, which we haven't usually had in the past. It's always the other way. It's the non-perishable cans that you know you put in the barrel at, at your grocery store. But we're finding now that there's a lot of perishable food that's not being used by the grocery stores, by the restaurant industry. So we're finding that we're getting a lot more of that. And what I do each and every day, I assess what I need for myself, and then I hand it out to the other people who are doing feeding programs as well. So the people in St. Catharines, I think, are getting well looked after by a bunch of people uh, trying to make a difference. And it's interesting, I think I counted up the other day that I've shared food with upwards of 15 organizations. Uh, this is food that's come in through um, food wholesalers that they just aren't using it at the moment and they don't want it to spoil. So different times, Janice, different clients, different times, different needs. Yeah, that brings up so many questions. So my first question is, um, just while we, we um, were on the topic of the amount of food that you're getting. So the perishables that you're are, um, sharing, I think you said something like um, the past 15 or 16 organizations. And are these across Niagara? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Uh, community care belongs to the Food Banks, Ontario, uh, food banks Canada as well as Feed Ontario. So we have a network of people that I share with as well as local organizations that I'm aware of. For example, Start Me Up, Westview Women for Women, 
when Silver Spire was doing meals, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a whole bunch of people in St. Catharines, but also we've shared across, across the region because we are part of a, a network as a member of Seed Ontario and Food Banks Canada. Uh, there's uh, an organization in each community that is a member of Seed uh, Ontario Food Banks Canada. And as a member, you have, there's some pretty strict criteria that you have to adhere to. So uh, there's one in every community. And so we have that network going on and I just have to pick up the phone call and say, okay guys, this is what I have today that I've been able to acquire through some of my contacts in the, in the food industry. And so it works and it's everybody working together because as we've all said, Janice, we all know we're all in this together and the only way we're gonna get out of it is unless we all work together, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and then uh, so just on foods, because I know that you're getting a lot of, of uh, perishable items, which is great, um, which I, I think is a little bit unusual because I know that the, the focus in generally with food banks is on the non-perishables because you can store that and you do have a way of the ability to say, I'm going to take in, you know, this many jars of peanut butter and then I can store those on my, on my shelf and, and hand them out as, as needed. Peanut butter is one of the things that's, that's you, that you've mentioned because you're not getting as many non-perishable items as you have in the past because people are shopping and sort of, I don't know, I think maybe they're going to the grocery store and they're shopping and as they walk past the community care barrel, it's just not on our radar to put any food in there because we're thinking about food, you know, food for ourselves, how often can we get the, to the grocery store uh, and so on. Oh no, and that's quite true. And you know, it's interesting because I've been, there's some various pro programs that are trying to help us, like the United Way has a program with their COVID response and we're trying to acquire peanut butter and it's really difficult to get. And I have a supplier that I use when I need to purchase and both of them, well, two of them actually, and both of them are challenged to find the peanut butter in any kind of, in any kind of volume. But I do have a wonderful donor uh, who goes around uh, the whole region and picks up um, a few jars of peanut butter here and there because you know you, you don't want to be perceived as being a hoarder and, and brings them in on Monday. So it, it's great, but um, peanut butter is a staple and uh, it's one of the ones that's really hard to, hard to come by. And you know, another one that I was interesting this morning, I was out doing my shopping at seven o'clock. I guess that tells you how old I am, but uh, I was out there at seven o'clock in the morning and there was hardly any rice on the shelf, which I find really interesting. So that's one of the staples that people are relying on quite heavily right now, you know, because it makes the meal stretch. And, uh, but the rice aisle was completely empty where I was anyway. So, you know, what it will be like later on in the day, hopefully it would be more. But those are the things that are in, in short supply. And those are the things that help families stretch their food, bite, food budgets, right? Yeah, and I, um, I think that it, it, and it is, it's every day. I went in and I wanted to buy uh, flour last week and I couldn't get any flour and um, I couldn't get any chicken stock except for Thai food chicken stock and chicken stock with wine and all I wanted to make was in like a nice hearty soup and I, and I wasn't able to get that. So, um, and then, you know, some things are, they're restricting to two packages and I don't know, it's, we were talking yesterday and, and the whole grocery shopping experience is uh, is a little bit different and angst ridden, but that's a conversation for a whole other day. Um, yeah, I, so and I think you're quite right. I think the angst element to it 
adds to it and it just exacerbates the situation. And certainly what we're seeing coming, people coming up presenting to us, now they don't come in the building, uh, but uh, through our system, uh, when they're coming to access food security, the anxiety level is extremely high, extremely high. Yeah, so um, just to jump back to who's coming to the, to the uh, to community care. So you know that there are different people who you have not seen before. Um, and I'm wondering if there are people out there, there must be a lot of people out there who have lost, um, you know, one family, one, one family member spouse, you know, the wife or the husband or the partner, one of them has lost a job or even both of them have lost a job. And they've never been in a situation that you know where it was a precarious food situation, uh, and they're and they're having to go to some kind of a food bank for the first time. Um, the two things: one, I would think, is that there's a lot of stigma that they would have to go through in in realizing that they actually have to access that kind of service that they never thought they would ever have to do. So they're you know they're they're embarrassed, but. Do, do they even know where they can go to get food? So I think that, you know, people are in uh, probably in a situation where, you know, where do I, you know, I, I don't have any rice and I need to stretch out the, the, the stew I'm making. Um, I don't even know how to cope with that. Well, no, and I think, you know, there's an element to that too, but I have to say that certainly in the media, uh, you know, through social media, there has been so much talk about people being uh, having the job laid off and how are they going to get through and how you know coming to the food bank to just to help you get through that there's a, a, as much information being shared and as much welcoming advice to people that you can find and numbers to call etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's maybe the first phone call is difficult but once they're here I just got a wonderful letter from a gentleman uh, saying that he hadn't been here in years and um, he just felt that uh, he he had a few items come up in his life in the last three weeks that he had to address. And he said that um, he couldn't thank us enough for being there for him and not judging him. The fact that we'd helped him years ago, he got back on his feet and now we had to come back. And he said, but I don't think of myself as a failure. I think of myself as just being like all my fellow Canadians, a little bit anxious, having some challenges that have come up. And thankfully people like community care are there to help people. So it was a beautiful letter. And I have to acknowledge, uh, I'm going to write him back, obviously, and tell him uh, how much it meant to me uh, to receive that letter because it's a difficult call to make, but he said he just knew that he had to do it and he was so happy that he was able to, he said he went away with wonderful food. So, and having perishable food was really great for him because from his past experience, we never used to have a lot, but he went with some cantaloupe and some berries and some mangoes and some of the stuff that we have in that day. And, you know, tomorrow we might have something different, but he was really pleased to be able to take it home and share it with his family. Yeah, I think that's a great message, a great message for people. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that people are going to be able to take advantage of some of the uh, government programs that are out there, like the new CERB, um, which the government continues to expand to include uh, work work situations where, um, you know, a week ago you couldn't, as a freelancer, uh, apply for the the help, and now you can. Um, 
you know, the arts community was left out of it, and and they they announced this week, uh, Trudeau announced this week that there would be some some uh, financial help for that group of people. So, you know, as the days go on, more and more, you know, I don't think they could come out and say, okay, we have the list of everybody who needs some some help, and so there you go, and that's all we're going to do. I think that it's encouraging that the the federal government is, um, and to some extent, the provincial government is recognizing and, and moving forward with um, with helping with helping all people from all sorts of sectors and jobs and and financial situations. And they they're also um, there's some money that has been designated for uh, food banks. And I know that um, one of the um, organizations mentioned was the Canada Food Bank. Food Bank of Canada. Um, Canada, yeah, yeah, which you're members. So, are you seeing something coming, um, some funding coming to St. Catharines and Community Care and the other the other uh, organizations that provide food coming from that program that the that the well, government absolutely. announced? And it's interesting because I'm going on uh, another Zoom call as soon as I'm finished with you. It starts in a few minutes, but. And they're talking about the money that's coming forward. So Food Banks Canada had a wonderful initiative that they were trying to get $150 million. As we know, the federal government has allocated uh, money for food banks and they're doing it through Food Banks Canada, which in my opinion is a great way to do it because they're making sure that the people, uh, it goes across Canada and they have the ability to manage that piece well through one organization like that. And they're gonna fan it out to everybody uh, so yes, there is money coming forward. We keep getting notifications. Um, we keep getting updates on a daily basis, and uh, which is all positive. And I have to acknowledge, I think I'm proud to be a Canadian and I'm proud to be a member of Ontario, uh, resident of Ontario right now, just to see how the governments are working together. And um, certainly, you know, it's, they seem to be crossing party lines, and I think that that's really important. It's about the greater good for all and it's wonderful to see. Um, unfortunately, it's never enough, uh, but uh, we have to realize that there's only a finite uh, amount of money they have to play with, uh, but they're certainly doing some extraordinary things and you're quite right. Every day there's something else coming on and I'm sure they're going to get to all the sectors so everybody is looked after because they've made that commitment. And I think that uh, I have no patience with people that get into the political game at this point. It's not about politics. It's about the greater good for all, and it's about making a difference, how we can work together to make everybody get to the other side of this horrific pandemic and how to get our lives back in order to live a normal and full life that we've enjoyed for so many years. Yeah, now every, I, I, I know you have to get going, but I, I, everybody's now talking about the new normal. And uh, the, the old normal that we knew, it, it doesn't exist anymore, the new normal. And as the weeks have gone on, I've started to think my, my thought of the new normal is, is expanding and um, uh, the way that we're going to be looking at, at, you know, situations where we used to just get together and do something or, you know, businesses, for example, never had to deal with something where they could have... Uh, a shutdown like this, something would happen where they had to lay off all of their employees. And so the new normal for them might be, um, you know, HR policies that will protect their employees going on. Maybe they have to look at new ways of, of making things, um, production, how many people want to stay working at home, because that's a challenge for a lot of people. 
And I wonder if you're, you're expecting to see a new normal when it comes to social service agencies, whether it's food banks or shelters or, or healthcare for the, you know, the people in, in, or who are low income, who are homeless and really need our help. No question about it. It's been interesting. I was just having that conversation with staff this morning and what is the new normal and what are the precautions we have to take. And it was my good friend, Mayor Sanzik, that said to me a couple of weeks ago, he said, Betty Lou, he said, um, I hope you're thinking um, 60 days out because we need to be nimble and we need to be able to address what's going to happen because when this is over and it could end as quickly as it started, we need to be prepared. And that, so that's what we're doing. We're strategizing each and every day how we're going to manage moving forward, and you're quite right. I don't think we have, it's like peeling an onion, right? The old analogy of peeling an onion. Every time you take one layer off, then there's something else that comes up, and it's to get to that sweet spot. So I think you just have to have an open mind, and you need to be thinking at least six months out um, and where you're going to be. And so I'm doing my strategy, which is in the moment, 60 days, and then six months, and anywhere in between and trying to set up some teams of people, you know, my, my staff, how are we going to address these issues and how are we going to get there? But it is a new normal and we were just talking about our own safety and how we're going to deal with this. And of course, we're all doing things that we've never done before. Right now I'm wearing gloves um, and I'm sure I'm one of many people that will tell you my hands are raw from hand sanitizer, but that's okay, and soap and water. Those are the kinds of things that we need to make sure is part of our everyday life. But I can remember years ago when we had the C. difficile on the SARS epidemic, we were all really diligent for a long time and then we slipped. We can't slip again. We have to continue doing what we do in times of crisis moving forward. And they're just a little everyday things that you do that you need to remember to do. And washing your hands with hot soapy water and singing happy birthday, star way to heaven, or whatever you want to do to get you there is really important. And it's one of those things that we slip, right? And, you know, we just run them under the tap quickly. And, but no, you need to, you need to do that. And one time when I was involved with the hospital, we had a machine and uh, we all started ultraviolet light, I guess I should say. So we all started washing our hands and you would put your hands underneath to see if you thought they were clean. And it was amazing how many times you had to wash your hands and for the length that you had to do, so you didn't have any reaction from this ultraviolet light. So those are the kinds of things that we need to continue to do, be diligent about that stuff, to, and take it to the opposite extreme, I think. And if you become obsessed by it, God love you for becoming obsessed by it, because I think that's where we're going to have to go. Definitely a whole new wor world order. Definitely having to make some changes in adaptability. And I think that you have to realize that you have to be nimble and you have to have to have an open mind and you have to look to the future because we we will get through this, but we have to do it with a with an informed decision moving forward and we have to come up with a strong strategy to get back to where we were. And how long is that going to take? So do you still have volunteer op opportunities? Because I know you're, you're locked down. Um, your, your office staff is being uh, very careful in social distancing and, you know, sanitization and that kind of thing. And I know that your, your system for um, dealing with clients is, you, you know, you've got a plexiglass uh, barrier and then they slide their, 
their ID underneath or their, their card, um, you know, in a, in a little tray underneath and then you slide, you know, and everything's very sanitized. Is there an opportunity for people to volunteer? Well, right now, Janice, unfortunately, um, we've said no to volunteers uh, just because it, 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 it's a challenging time and I think we're going to have to look at that. If this protracts out too much longer, we're going to have to come back and look at it. But in the, and so when we're talking about in the moment, in the moment, we don't have the, volunteers can drive for us and do pickups for us. We would be very grateful if they want to call and give their name. We used to have volunteers do service delivery, but I, I don't have the ability to do that. I don't have the comfort level to do that. It's not fair to the volunteers. Uh, our volunteer base was the average age was probably in the senior years, and they became very anxious at the end. Yeah, and it's hard for them to lose a, uh, something that they obviously find very rewarding. Okay, final question, and I will let you go. Um, how do people get food to you, and what are your biggest needs for food right now? Well, right now, I, I think anything, um, the canned food piece is, is, is a challenge. Um, we are going to be assessing our food, uh, food, the food support system in the next little bit. Um, cash is always king, as you know. It gives us the ability to, uh, through our, our network, to, to reach out a little further, so cash is always king. Uh, but uh, certainly, if you could, uh, next time you're by a barrel, when you're buying your groceries, if you could drop something in the bin, that would be very grateful. Uh, and uh, we would be extremely pleased about that. Or if you feel that you wanted to make a monetary donation, certainly if you would go onto our website, which is communitycarestca.ca, uh, there's an opportunity for you to give to our COVID response. Okay, Betty, thank you so much. And uh, we will definitely be in touch as we continue through uh, the uh, difficult time we're in. And um, I'll touch base with you, find out what's happening and continue to uh, uh, let people know where, where you are, what you need and what they can do to help. Okay, thank you so much, Janice.